I invite you to turn with me in God's Word to Psalm 146, Psalm 146, page 980, 980 in your pew Bibles this morning. <clears throat> we already read Psalm 145, and uh, many of the themes in these two psalms uh, fit together, although Psalm 146 is a part of the last uh, five psalms of the Psalter that begin with hallelujah and end with hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So those last five psalms in particular are psalms of praise. Um, but again, the themes are very, very similar. We'll read Psalm 146 now. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, not too long ago I spent a little time in my basement trying to organize uh, my workroom and I realized how much of a saver I've become, especially when it comes to hardware and things like that. For instance, I've got containers that are overflowing with gently used nuts and bolts and washers and screws. I've got old plumbing parts <clears throat> like faucet washers uh, handed down, I believe, from my father. So they are probably parts that really only fit pre-1952 Kohler products, but I still have them in case you need one. I've got electrical parts too, old light switches and wall plates and wires I have no idea what they came from. I've got a drawer full of old car parts if you ever need anything. I've got, uh, I've got light bulbs and window switches and trailer wiring converters, that sort of stuff. For homes, I have doorknobs and door hinges and screen door closers. I have random knobs and handles for drawers. I've got parts from old vacuum cleaners and old washing machines. I have hoses from old dishwashers. I have plumber's putty. I've got a whole room full of stuff. And if you resonate with that at all, whatsoever, in any way, you know exactly why I have all this stuff, right? Because you never know when you might need them. <clears throat> you never 
know when you might need them. You never know when you're going to need a 45-degree elbow for a three-quarter-inch water pipe. You just don't. Or a 12-foot section of coaxial cable wire. Or a new belt for a snowblower that you got rid of a couple of years ago. You never know when you might find another one just like that same model. And if you did, then you would be really sorry that you got rid of that belt. You never know when you might need it. You know something? As I was looking at all of this stuff in my workroom, it struck me that I am almost 60 years old now. How many more times am I going to need a new tank float for my toilet? And am I ever going to use 30 rubber faucet washers before I die? And how many more opportunities am I really going to have to use that rear taillight lens from a 1996 Chrysler minivan? Probably not too many. And all of this got me thinking about how we look at the future. At the kinds of things we can be sure about and the kinds of things that's just a guess. Is there anything that we really know about the future? How do we plan for it? How much time should we spend planning for it? Let's take a look at Psalm 146 and see if it has any answers for us. Psalm 146, like I said, it begins with praise, it ends with praise. It's a psalm of praise, but it doesn't take long when you get into it and you find out that there's a big piece of it that's talking about time as well. I will praise the Lord all of my life, says the psalmist. As long as I live, I will sing praise to my God. And what we have there is an awareness that we are different from God, that God is much bigger than us, that we actually have a lifetime, that we are bound by time when God is not. And this is confirmed at the end of the psalm where it says, the Lord reigns, what, forever. He is God to all generations, not just one generation, not just two generations. Some of us even have three generations perhaps sitting with us in church this morning, but God is the God of all generations. And this contrast is, is fleshed out even more in verses 3 to 6, where the psalmist says, don't put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. Why not? Well, because those people are transient as well. They're just as temporary as you and I are. They run on batteries that die, and then you have to run out to Walgreens and find some more, just like every other Christmas present under the tree. That's what we're like. Verse 4, when their spirit departs, they return to the ground. That's what it means to be mortal, right? We return to the ground from which we came. Again, in contrast to this, the psalmist tells us in verse 6 that the Lord is forever. He doesn't return to the ground. He is the maker of the ground. He is the maker of heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. God is beyond our mortal realm. 
He is the king of an everlasting kingdom. That's what Psalm 145 says. An everlasting kingdom. A kingdom that will not end. And that's hard for us to imagine, isn't it? Those words, forever, everlasting. I mean, can we even relate to those things? Everything that we know in life has an end date. It's got a time stamp, right? You can't buy milk or orange juice these days without looking at the best if used by date, and then you can probably take a week off of that because everything spoils much sooner than that date, but everything has a time date stamped on it. It has an end to life. It's not going to last forever. I did some shopping, Christmas shopping this year on Amazon, and if you add anything electronic to your cart, you've probably seen this. A little pop-up comes up with, um, would you like a two-year, add a two-year warranty on this, $9.99. Three years for $14.99. I looked at those and I I just kind of laughed. That's as far out as we can imagine, especially for electronics in our age, that they would last three years. But that's as far as our minds take us. And then I thought, there's no way I'm going to buy this because this might not even survive the Christmas Eve party, right? Someone's going to step on it, and there's no warranty for that, so forget the warranty. Everything in life is time-stamped. It's all temporary. We can't begin to fathom forever. Which brings us back to those princes, right? Do not put your hope in princes. Why not? Like I said, they're mortal. They're temporary, just like you and I are. And yet, ironically, that's exactly why it's so tempting to put our trust in them. Because being temporary like we are, they seem to have the temporary thing all figured out. I mean, they seem to know how you beat the temporary, how you find success. They know how to live the temporary life, right? Whether it's power or fame or whatever it is, that's what's going to get me through. Derek Kidner says that, uh, that you can substitute the word influential for the word prince or princes. Okay, now Derek Kidner wrote quite a while ago, but he says this, don't put your trust in the influential, okay? Um, but he saw our day coming, I think, because really you could say, don't put your trust in the influencers, right? We have so many influencers in our society today, influencers on the web, influencers in your neighborhood, right? They all are influencing us in how to live a better life. This is how you succeed. This is how you can make your life thrive. The influencers. Think of Time Magazine's uh, Person of the Year this year. Who did they choose? Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is the Person of the Year. She's an influencer. And there's no denying that she is a person of influence. She can move entire financial markets by announcing an extra concert on her tour or where her tour is going to go, what cities it's going to engage. She can bring fans into the NFL who know absolutely nothing about football. On her latest Eras concert tour, her fans spent an estimated $93 million per show. Can you imagine that? Into your local economy, $93 million 
per show. And so she boosted local economies. She boosted the U.S. economy by $5.7 billion. That's higher than the GDP of many small countries. She's clearly an influencer. Here's one of the reasons Time magazine said that they chose her. They said, especially in a, in a time when we're coming out of a pandemic, we're longing for things that we've lost, right? They said, what's a higher form of influence than giving millions of fans the time of their lives? Giving us the time of our lives. Is that what we live for? Is that what lasts? Here's some of uh, Swift's wisdom herself that she had to share. You should celebrate who you are now, where you're going, and where you've been. You should celebrate who you are now, where you're going, and where you've been. The present, the future, the past. You should just celebrate it all. <clears throat> now think about it. I guess that's, that's pretty good advice if you are temporary, if you are finite, if all you have to care about is the few days that we have. But it's, it's nothing more than that. It's got nothing to do with the eternal, with what really lasts. Can I tell you a little secret about Taylor Swift? No, I don't have a crush on her. <clears throat> I am not a Swifty. But I did share something with my wife a few weeks ago, and that is I confessed to her that it wasn't until a, a few weeks ago that I realized that Taylor Swift and Britney Spears were not actually the same person. <clears throat> now, part of that is just because I'm dumb. Um, but part of it is because people like this are, are, are coming along every other day. They're sort of like reincarnations of themselves. And, and, and so is their wisdom. It, it's like a reincarnation of itself. And people, people are influenced by it. Right? There was an article in the New York Times just a few days ago about Joe and Kara. Um, Joe and Kara were also dealing with post-pandemic issues and were longing for escape, okay? And so they signed up for the, the Life Sea Cruise, the Life Sea Cruise, a 382-port cruise that would last for three years. The cost would be between $90,000 and $975,000, depending on what kind of accommodations you wanted on the ship. So Joe and Kara sold everything that they had and they flew to Istanbul, Turkey where the cruise was to depart on November 1. At the end of November, they were still waiting for the cruise to depart. And it seems as if the cruise ship company could not actually find a ship that could take that kind of cruise. So it's hard to celebrate where you're going when there's actually no ship to take you there and you just invested everything you had in that ship. Don't put your trust in princes, says the psalmist. They cannot save. They are only temporary. They are only finite. 
and they can't think beyond that. So the question becomes, what, what should I do with my lifespan? What should you do with your lifespan? What should you do with as long as I live? Shall I follow the advice of the finite? Should I look for success right here? Who should our real influencer be? Well, the psalmist would say our real influencer should be the eternal one. Our real influencer should be, should be God. And what does the psalmist tell us about the eternal one? Well, he tells us one thing in verse 8. <clears throat> That he is a God who loves the righteous. He's a God who loves the righteous. And, and who are the righteous? Okay? Well, in the Psalms, the righteous are those who humbly look to God for their help. Verse 5, Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord. Those are the righteous. They put their hope in God. We look to God for our help and our hope. Who are those people? Well, there's a huge list of them in this psalm. They're the oppressed, the hungry, the prisoners, the blind, the bowed down, the alien, the fatherless, the widow. And you can add to that the New Testament summary of that whole category of people and call it sinners. The only person that we can put our hope in is the Lord our God. And so here, I think, is, is the psalmist's advice that if you really want to be successful in life, if you really want to thrive, not just in this life, but eternally, then maybe we should spend our time loving the people that God loves. That would make sense, wouldn't it? That if God loves these people and He's going to love them forever and He's going to lift up the oppressed and He's going to heal the blind and He's going to feed the hungry, maybe it would help to love those people that God loves. And in Jesus Christ, we have been given the Holy Spirit. And who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is someone who takes the future the future that God has purchased for us by the blood of Jesus Christ and assured us of that future by the resurrection of that Christ, the Holy Spirit takes that future and brings it to life even now through whom? Through His people, through you. So when you love the people that God loves by the power of the Holy Spirit, what you are doing is bringing a sure and certain future into the present. That's the psalmist's simple advice. And so that's perhaps one resolution for the new year. Reduce the gap. Reduce the gap between the righteous that the psalm mentions and ourselves. Get to know some people who fit these categories. 
begin to understand what it's like to walk in their shoes and why the psalmist might say that they are the humble, they are the ones who look to God for their redemption, for their help, for their hope, because they find it nowhere else. Now, I know that's, that's a very intimidating thing. And some of us, in fact, I've heard this many times, would say, I don't know where to start. I don't know any people in these categories. How do I get to know someone like this? And I would simply say, one place you can begin is read a book. Read a book. Read The Grapes of Wrath. Read a biography of of someone who is oppressed and begin to see life through their eyes, feel life with their feelings. Get to know, get to know a totally different group of people. The second possibility is to get involved. There are so many opportunities both within our church and in our society to get to actually know people in these categories, in these groups. Ann and Kyle know some of the people that Young Kwong prayed for this morning who were butchered on Christmas Eve for believing in Jesus Christ. Get to know them. We have ministries like Safe Families and Community Warehouse where you can actually get to know people. And friends, when I say something like this or make these suggestions, I know it's bold, I know it takes faith, it takes trust, it takes risk. But when you take that risk, actually take the risk not just to get involved in a ministry, but to get to know the people. Get to know the people that God loves. There's a second suggestion here from the psalmist on another sort of New Year's resolution. And that you find... In verse 9, it says that God frustrates the ways of the wicked. He frustrates the ways of the wicked. Who are the wicked? Well, the wicked are the people who don't put their trust in God, and they don't have any use for any of the people in these categories. They live as if they do not exist. Okay? That's who the psalmists proclaim as the wicked. And the psalmist says... In the end, and even now, God frustrates the ways of the wicked. That's the way it will be. Okay? Now, I don't know if I'm ever going to have a snowblower again that's going to fit the belt that I have in my basement. I don't know. But I am pretty sure that this year will offer me opportunities to frustrate the ways of the wicked. How do I do that? By refusing to live as if these people do not exist. By refusing to live that way. We don't have to live that way. We don't have to have all this stuff in our basements for some day that might come when we know what will come. We know that there will be wicked that we will encounter in the world this year who completely have overlooked the humble, the hungry, the meek, the oppressed, the prisoner. You meet them at work. You meet them when you're designing a new machine, and they have no idea that you might be thinking about people like this. But you have the opportunity to frustrate the wicked. You have the opportunity to say, 
We need to think and to care about the people that God cares about. We will have opportunities to do that. And friends, one of the things I wish for all of us is that we will actually experience today Schindler's regret. Schindler's regret. As Christians, we can experience that now. What is Schindler's regret? You probably remember the film Schindler's List, right? Oscar Schindler was a, a German industrialist during the time of the Nazis, and he used all of his, all of his money, really, all of his, um, um, all of his resources to actually buy or purchase people out of the concentration camps, Jews out of the concentration camps, put them to work in his factories so that he would save them from certain death. And at the end of that movie, it shows there's a scene where he is just filled with regret. And I remember the scene of him taking a ring off of his finger, um, and he says, I could have bought two more people, two more lives with this ring. But I didn't do it. And he's filled with regret because he didn't see a permanent, eternal future. He didn't see it in the moment. As Christians, we have the opportunity to have that regret right now. To see it in advance. That we have all sorts of opportunities to love the people that God loves right here and right now so that when our Lord returns, we will not be filled with those regrets. Students, you have the opportunity right now to study your English, to study your math, so that you actually have an opportunity when you are called upon to help. When the Lord says, it's your time now, you will be prepared, and you won't have to live with that kind of regret. I pray that for all of us. That we'll have Schindler's regret right here and now. And then we'll be able to turn our lives freely to the Holy Spirit and say, use me for what I know, what I'm sure of is going to come, and that's your eternal kingdom. Let's bow together in prayer. Lord Jesus, your word, your gospel proclaims that there is a day that you are coming and your eternal kingdom will be more than visible. What's hidden now will be revealed in plain sight. And you will come to judge that there still will be righteous and wicked and you will judge between them. And Lord, we stand on your gospel as your people trusting that when that day comes, We stand on the life of Jesus Christ and on his righteousness, and we will indeed be saved. And so may we trust in that good news right here and right now and use our time to love the people that you love, to frustrate the ways of the wicked right alongside you. Give us hope and help us to live live in that hope every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.